Hi, everyone, and thank you for being with us. This is Fairbors Paksuraj, Director of Oregon Department of Human Services. We've been talking with each of our five programs in DHS about their response to the COVID-19 public health crisis. Today, we'll be talking about the Office of Developmental Disabilities, specifically about how the Stabilization and Crisis Unit is managing through this pandemic. For staff who may not be familiar with ODDS, it is our program that provides services and supports to empower Oregonians with intellectual and developmental disabilities to live full lives in their communities. ODDS is structured differently than our other DHS programs. Case management for the children and adults ODDS serves is provided by contracted partners called Community Developmental Disabilities Programs, or CDDPs, and support services brokerages in local communities. However, ODDS operates the Stabilization and Crisis Unit known as SACU directly. Sierra Rossin is the Interim Director of SACU, and she's kind enough to join me today for this conversation. And she's going to help us learn more about the program and how it is responding to this public health crisis. Sierra, before we dive into the pandemic response, can you give us a quick overview of what SACU does? SACU, we operate 21 group homes between Eugene and Portland, and we serve about 99 people who experience an intellectual and developmental disability with a co-occurring mental health diagnosis. The individuals we support come to us when they're experiencing a crisis, which could be behavioral or medical, and we support kids and adults as well. These crises cannot be addressed with a typical community support, so we work to de-escalate the crisis through a series of increased supervision, behavior supports, collaborative problem solving, and nursing care. We're then able to work with community providers and families to get folks back into their communities. We employ about 750 people, and the majority of our workforce is considered essential and has continued to provide direct supports to the people we serve and train and educate the employees. Thank you, Sierra. You may recall that back in March, we started implementing executive orders from the governor and adapting Oregon Health Authority guidance to balance safety and service in our residential settings. We made rapid changes. Would you share an overview of how SACU reacted to those changes? Yeah. You know, SACU is part of ODDS, so ODDS worked really quickly to create some guidelines for provider agencies such as SACU that follow the governor's order and the OHA guidelines to keep people safe. Individuals who experience intellectual and developmental disabilities are at a higher risk for COVID-19 due to underlying health conditions. SACU has taken the Stay Home, Save Lives directive very seriously and all while balancing the rights of the individuals that we support. We have put many practices in place that include health screening questions, working with the Agency Operations Center, and local businesses to access PPE. We've increased cleaning supplies and practices around sanitation, as well as limiting non-essential visitors and trips into the community. We see a lot of movement by the people we support within SACU due to levels of care, and we've limited that movement between the homes by both the staff and the individuals themselves. Staff have taken this very seriously as well, and they've really set high standards in their personal lives to assure that they and the people we support continue to stay healthy. I know that this pandemic has been really difficult for people in residential facilities and particularly for their family members. 
What have you heard from residents and their families about SACU's actions during this public health crisis? It's been pretty rough because we are limiting visitors, but we have seen communication change from those in-person visits to phone calls and televisits. And the families and the staff have gotten really creative in supporting the individuals to make sure that they stay connected with those that are important to them. Can you share with us some of those creative ways that you have managed that? Yeah, we've increased virtual meetings and visits so that people can connect with their service coordinators at the county, their guardians, physicians, and family members. They've been writing letters to family members. Some have purchased tablets so they can do FaceTime meetings with their friends. The staff have also been really creative in coming up with ideas for car bingo, scavenger hunts that happen on drives. They're doing social distancing activities such as walking, ordering takeout to support their local businesses, doing online shopping so they continue to purchase things that are important to them. And we've had our PSWs work to help the homes create online socials for the kids such as bingo nights and painting by number. One individual recently had a socially distanced visit with out-of-town family members from the car in their parents' driveway, and that went over really well. Thank you for sharing those creative ways that staff are finding ways to connect residents with their family members. I regularly hear from staff across DHS from their successes and challenges during this pandemic. How are your staff doing overall? and what do they need? What else do they need to help them during this crisis? Overall, they've done a really good job staying positive. We've been really working to make sure that we're keeping people trained and we've put in some remote learning ideas and been able to give people laptops and cell phones for teleworking when they're able to. Our management team participates in the weekly COVID HR calls so that we can support the staff in taking the time they need for families or their own health, and we know how to support them in those ways. We've really had a lot of communication around what's happening and been able to push forward director messages and highlight the pieces that are really important to our employees. You know, during the pandemic, our central office has continued to operate. Our office staff have been there daily to take in PPE and disperse it amongst the houses and the training department, as well as the training department being there just to train new employees. We provide 24-7 direct care supports, behavior supports and nursing, and our business doesn't stop. So as we go through this pandemic, we still have turnover and need to recruit employees to come and work with the individuals we serve. Uh, so our training department has been really great. They show up every day. They train new employees. We've worked to organize the office a little bit differently so we can assure that people are socially distancing. We have masks available for everybody that walks through the front door and hand sanitizers at each table. We've been able to modify trainings to be less physical. And we have also gone to some online learning as well and been able to check out laptops to new hires. I know that as a new person coming into an agency and knowing right off the bat that you're an essential employee can be a little scary. And so we've just been working really hard to make sure that we're communicating with everyone so that they understand exactly how important they are in the work that we're doing every day. 
We also have a lot of transition in our program for the individuals that we serve because we support people in crisis and try to have them in a place that supports them best where they're at with their needs. We do see movement amongst the houses depending on level of care. So we've tried to minimize that as much as possible, but because we do support people in crisis, we still continue to have a referral list from the community. And sometimes moves have to happen internally to bring someone in to make sure they're in the right place to keep people safe. So that has been a challenge during the pandemic to assure that we're safely transitioning folks and continuing to transition them. And I just am really thankful for supportive partners and other agencies where our folks are moving out that are supporting our staff in being safe as well as us supporting them and keeping the people we're bringing into their homes safe. We also see a lot of transition or movement in between the employees and the homes that they work at. So we can have three homes in Lebanon and people will be moving around and helping to support each house, but to minimize any potential risk, we have kind of stopped doing that as much as possible, which has made it so that sometimes staff are working very long hours and they're mandated to the next shift. And that can be really hard for people for several days in a row to come in to work and know that you're gonna have to stay another shift and knowing that your family's at home possibly needing you. So we're really trying to support people in that way as well and limit that as much as possible. We do have some backup plans in case an individual becomes sick. What has to happen if we quarantine in the house? The homes have purchased airbeds and extra food and water in case employees need to stay for longer periods of time when we get to that um, piece. And we really appreciate our safety manager being involved with us and making some of those uh, decisions when they come up. I also know that for those who work and live in residential settings, personal protective equipment is something that has been in short supply. And I know that you all have done a great job trying to get enough of that for your staff members. How's that going? And what else do you need as far as PPEs go? Yeah, so because we're 24-7 and we do direct care, we use PPE all the time. So we do have some supplies stockpiled that we would normally have, but as we see other places opening and using PPE, it's been harder to access. And I'm really thankful to the AOC that's been helping us partner with Department of Corrections to get masks for folks. We've been collaborating with both of our unions and other partners and partnering with the AOC to obtain PPE. As you may have heard, the ODDS has given a directive that all direct care staff wear masks when providing cares to individuals. And so that has been a challenge for some of our folks to see their staff wearing masks or for the staff to wear them while they're providing cares, especially when they're doing it for long periods of time. So we've been working really hard to obtain lots of different kinds of masks, face shields, we were able to work with a company to create masks that have a clear panel for folks that are hard of hearing because we have employees and individuals we serve who are hard of hearing. We've been able to talk about what it's like to have a bandana or a scarf versus mm -hmm. a regular mask or to use the disposable ones. We've also are using gloves as we normally would and hand sanitizers and cleaning supplies. So we continue to order them and we do see back orders, but because we've been on it from the very beginning and the AOC's really helped up and stepped in um, to get us some of these supplies, we were able to give them what they need. 
Well, thank you, Sierra, for being with us today. Um, and thank you to your staff for taking care of some of our most vulnerable population, because we know that people who live in residential settings, people with developmental and intellectual disabilities who may also have underlying health conditions are really vulnerable to this virus. I wanted to express my appreciation to all SACU staff who are doing this work 24 seven, and we appreciate them and thank them for their service. And thank you all for joining us today. We will continue this podcast and we will talk soon.